Here it is. Again. One, two, three, I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act who at first may shock you. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Ba-dum, ba-dum. Let's go! Hey, everybody. I'm Rob. And I'm Joseph. And welcome to part two of the December 1979 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. We made it halfway through, so we did six albums last episode, and we are going to cover the remaining six this episode. Rob, you want to remind everybody what we have in store? Sure, we've got uh, 20 jazz funk greats from the uh, band Throbbing Gristle, Laughing Academy from Punishment of Luxury, Things Your Mother Never Told You by Wayne County and the Electric Chairs, Think Pink by the Fabulous Poodles, Teenage Warning by Angelic Upstarts, and The Sound of Sunbathing by the Sinceros. Yeah, so, um, you know, the first six were... A little bit catch up from November and then December, and the first album we're gonna we're gonna jump back into is from December, and then the rest were albums released sometime in 1979, but but we're not sure exactly when. Um, and just because of that, uh, it's a wild ride. We're we're <laughs> we're tackling some pretty odd stuff, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. Before we jump into that, uh, a couple of points of business. First of all, I want to remind everybody that we are talking about music. Music is art, and there is nothing more subjective than art. This is an opinion show, but even so, we do try to be mindful not to get too opinionated because ultimately we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was created during a pretty unique period of time. And then the other point of business is just to welcome all of our new listeners. So, Rob, did you know that since September of this year, our average monthly downloads has increased by like 60%? Wow, that's yeah. pretty nice. Yeah, so we I mean, we always continue to grow, but we just we we had a real growth spurt. Um this fall, a lot of it due to the fact that for a couple of glorious days, we actually made it to the the featured page of uh, on um, Apple Podcasts for music history. So that was a big bump. And for some reason, we got a lot of a sudden attention from Sweden. We actually made it to the number five slot in Sweden for music history for a little bit. So um, we we would like to welcome all of our Swedish friends. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, It absolutely is. Okay. Are we ready to jump back in, Rob? Yeah, let's do it. This is some good stuff. I have learned that I am really coming to like the band Throbbing Gristle. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, so Throbbing Gristle came out in uh, December of 1979 with a, an album called 20 Jazz Funk Greats. And uh, it's their third album. And it is, I think every Throbbing Gristle album I hear, I'm like, that is more different than anything I have ever heard. Um, this is more different than anything they have ever done. Um they released it on their own la uh, own label, Industrial Records. Pitchfork ranked it at number 91 on its list of 100 greatest albums of all time. Uh, Fact called it the best album of the 1970s. So, the best heard. album of the 1970s? Fact called it the best album of the 1970s. Now, wow. that blows my mind. I mean, mm -hmm. as I said at the beginning of this section, I, I am really beginning to like Throbbing Gristle, but the 1970s was a whole damn decade. <laughs> you really got to like this album. <laughs> so it, it, re, it, it peaked at number six on the UK indie charts, and this album itself is, is basically... Uh, being called the the all-time best industrial album. And these are the guys that coined the phrase industrial rock. I mean, this is where it comes from. So uh, interesting album. Uh, mm. It was Throbbing Gristle's step into accessibility. This is like, I mean, if you remember their other albums, that stuff is hard to listen to. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm a big fan of chaos, but damn, man, you can only handle so much. This is something that you can play, something you can listen to, something that people can actually dance to in a club. Um, they ditched most of their old nihilist trappings and they, they kind of went for style using rhythm and melody. Imagine that. Uh, definitely. They were definitely treading in, in the new wave territories, which is, which is pretty cool and, and why they're here now. So, um, but like their other works, this album has kind of this dark, sinister vibe to it. And uh, it's, it's got like this seduction that, uh, allows i think a greater audience to enjoy it so i was pretty i was pretty jazzed by 20 jazz funk greats um also this album is considered to be highly influential a lot of people mm -hmm. a lot of people go back to it so now tell me what you think about this album well the first thing that i wrote down when i was listening to this album was the throbbing gristles go pop the big sellouts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's definitely popular than anything they have ever done for sure yeah for yeah sure i i think they really wanted to sell some albums i mean come on. i mean i so so this is this is um like a thousand times more palatable than mm -hmm. uh, anything that they've released up to this point. I do want to point out what big fat liars they are. I mean, every <laughs> word of the title of this album, with the possible exception of the word great, is a big fat lie. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there are not 20 songs. There are no jazz songs. Um And so w whether or not you, you think they're great, I... That's... I couldn't say. Um, yeah. No, not, I mean, not really any funk. So, 
<laughs> deceived once again. Well, they, you know, let's go back to the old uh, art school students here. They, um, you know, the, I got to say, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Genesis Peorge, who's the lead singer. And mm -hmm. Genesis mm -hmm. was a poet, a performance artist, an occultist. And... I can't help but think that there was some mojo cooking in the in the putting together of this palatable, accessible, throbbing gristle pop album. <laughs> you know, so right. Well, this yeah. this it, it is a milestone in the sense that it is the first of their albums that I have listened to all the way through in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've in the past I've had to kind of break them up because it's just become too much for 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 me so um yeah i mean so far this is my my favorite throbbing gristles album in nice. the sense that i can <laughs> listen to it all the way through <laughs> yeah well i i mean you know when it comes to listening to fingernails on the chalkboard and uh shopping baskets thrown into a wood chipper um this is music to my ears i mean i i well you know it it's it's really fun too i mean yeah this is, well it is fun yeah, yeah i mean this is the first time it ever occurred to me to use that word for um throbbing gristles but but it's a, as as both of these songs that we're featuring tonight illustrate um uh -huh. it's an extremely mischievous album um yeah. as opposed to a tedious one if i remember correctly this is the album cover with them on the bluffs and it's a very nice very serene looking you know there's the headlands there's this beautiful meadow with flowers and the ocean in the background it almost almost like a a, a herb albert yeah album yeah. cover or something absolutely yeah. it it also is that location is widely known as one of the most um i i guess one of the mo one of the locations with the most suicides um mm. you know it's, it's kind of it's kind of got a dark it's got a dark history this this location and they're like yeah let's do this wonderful album there and and um the first print of the album i think uh, was this beautiful, serene-looking cover. Uh, they did a reprinting of it, or repressing of it, and the album cover had a dead body laying in front of them. So <laughs> the, they love to play with people's heads. It's, like I said, there's there's a love of chaos going on in this band. So Let's get to some music. Yeah, so I... I picked a well. I picked the song that I connected with the most uh, right away, and that's a tune called Persuasion. Touch. 
I've, I've talked a bit in the past about Genesis Peorage and uh, the their their connection to the occult, and I gather that this song was constructed with all of those those elements: the occultist, the poet, the performance artist. This song feels um, like it's a blend of all those things. It to me it really feels eerie and disturbing and uh i don't know dare i say somewhat erotic <laughs> but but it i found it to be like this amazingly fascinating tune yeah yeah cool well let's uh shift gears and are you ready to to hear a little uh new wave disco well i don't know if i'm ever really ready but yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> Here's my pick. It's called Hot on the Heels of Love. This may be the most cheerful, new wavy, throbbing gristle song I have ever heard. And yeah, a little disco like. Uh, <laughs> but this one is probably the most accessible, right? Wouldn't you say? Well, yeah. And I just, I wonder, you know, if this song, if they never made this song, would the Pet Shop Boys even exist? Oh, yeah. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> I'm sure hugely influenced by Throbbing Gristle. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh. Still, a, a, a super duper fun album. I, I did read an interview where somebody said that this song was the pre precursor to the whole entire genre of techno. Um, so, mm. but, but yeah, what a, what an interesting song. And, and this song probably is the one that caught me off guard the most mm -hmm. from Throbbing Gristle. I never yeah. would have thought. I'll take this album over any of their earlier albums for sure. This is, yeah, this absolutely. is a fun one. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Well, so that is, of course, Throbbing Gristle's third album, 20 Jazz Funk Greats. Uh, there's not 20 songs. There are no jazz, no funk. And, uh, you know, they might be great uh, <laughs> at any rate. It's not on my top 10, and I'm pretty sure it's not on yours. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, I would be surprised if it doesn't show up on I, somebody's. Yeah. Yeah. I so want it to show up on somebody's. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I know that there's a uh, a throbbing gristle fan out there, and and that's that's pretty cool, man. I I think that's great. Just yeah. own it, go for it. Yeah. So, well, that is all of the albums released in December of 1979. <clears throat> so now we get to play catch up um with the last remaining albums where we don't know exactly what month they were released so we get to um move on to really i think the 
the nicest surprise of the evening for me. This was a band that um, one of our listeners suggested to us uh, called Punishment of Luxury. Uh, they they were um, an English band coming coming out of Newcastle. The album is called Laughing Academy, and this album rocks. It really does. I, I, what a completely unexpected surprise this album is. Um, let's. I I, I want to hear what you think before I I kind of uh, you know dissect this this album. Um, okay. I'm really curious uh, about where you're at with it. I actually enjoyed this album quite a bit. I had a lot of fun with it. It's funny because the songs feel like they're, I mean, the, the energy is high, which is pretty cool. Um, the attitude feels kind of David Bowie-ish to me in a way. Um, mm. it, and I don't know, there's, it's hard. It's hard to say. I I know that it gets me moving, man. The, the um, it it feels like there's a lot of different things going into these into this album, and I can't quite place any of it because mm. there's so much of it. I just know that it's a lot of fun. Well, when I started listening to this album, like ten seconds in, I said out loud to myself um uh oh what are we in for here I actually wrote that <laughs> down that's a direct quote um this this album sounds way ahead of its time um uh, here yeah. here here yeah. are some of the the bands that um kind of sprung to mind the first time I was listening to it um well I thought of the Dickies. So so the Dickies were around at this point, but all the rest of the bands were not. So um, hearing a lot of Oingo Boingo, um, yeah. a lot of Dead Kennedys, a lot of Killing yeah. Joke, but mostly I am hearing a lot of Mr. Bungle. And, oh, and yeah. Mr. Th this is like 10 years before, um, uh, maybe eight, eight or 10 years before Mr. Bungle uh, releases their first album that it's got huge Mr. Bungle, um, uh, energy to it. I, I wonder, um, if the members of Mr. Bungle were familiar with this album. Um, and it is really tight, really well produced, clean, but heavy. Um, mm. and, I think it's it's kind of brilliant. I am just absolutely 100% on board with this album. What a surprise. Just kind of like the album came out and was forgotten. You know, yeah. you you there's yeah. there's really hardly anything about this album or this band even on Wikipedia. Um but this 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 sounds like uh, another sort of watershed album to me um, way ahead of its time. You kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it's, it's ahead of its time. I, I was thinking, man, this is an album that's like totally smack in the middle of the eighties or even into the late eighties. There's, mm -hmm. you know, all the high energy and all the different things taking place. 
it seems really busy, but it's not chaotic at all. Like you said, it is really well put together. Oh, um, so disciplined. So disciplined. Yeah, like yeah. super duper tight. Yeah. Yeah. I was really impressed with this album, and I had no idea who these guys were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Me either. So much good funk in, on this album, too, which yeah. is, as you know, important to me. Um, of course. So, speaking of funk, um, my pick off of this is a song called Funk Me. You suck all my power. I absolutely love this song. It is my favorite song on the album. And I, as soon as I heard it, I knew you were going to be into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and again, I, for, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of things, like a lot of flavors, musical flavors in there that you were picking up. And I, I, I definitely catch the Oingo Boingo and some of the others, but mm-hmm. for some reason I'm still getting like a little David Bowie popping out. Um, uh, I'll, I'll have to think about that the next time I go back and listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, so yeah, this, the composition of this was just so amazing. And I, I don't know. I just, there's so much going on and, and I, it's one of those songs that you really want to listen to over and over again. Um, in fact, I mean, the whole album is in my house. I'm going to be listening to it over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great. Are you that familiar with the the catalog of Killing Joke? Uh, I listened to them a lot years ago, but I haven't heard them so much. And not the entire catalog. I see. So uh, in the late, I think it was the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh-huh. the, it was the late 80s. They... Um, Which- took sort of a a hard left turn uh into kind of like um theatrical keyboard yeah. kind of prog punk i guess you might call it yeah, yeah. i'm thinking in particular uh, an album called outside the gate and this album here by punishment of luxury i think is what outside the gate was trying to be, but falling oh, short. Okay, yeah. I don't think there's really any missteps on this album. You know, everything lands. Obviously, I like some songs more than more than others, but everything lands pretty well off of this album. And they are pushing boundaries. Um, and once again, so disciplined, both in their arrangements, their performance. And then the production, I, I, I really need to to point out the production again because it is yeah. so clean and tight, um, really sounds ahead of its time just in how clean the production is for this kind of music. Yeah, well, 
uh, I'll, I'll say it again. I felt like the, the David Bowie is there was like the David Bowie flair and it felt like that kind of composition. But the truth is, is the whole of it became something totally all mm -hmm. to its own. Mm -hmm. And even though it has all those different flavors, it is very unique. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, and, and it's that, I think it's that discipline. It's that, you know, that, well-fitting, well-oiled machine doing its job. Oh my God, it was so good. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. This is this is not like a DIY punk band. <laughs> these are not at these all. are sort no, of no. like virtuoso musicians doing this stuff. So, what song did you pick? I picked a tune called Babylon, and I picked it uh, because, to me, it goes. It, it kind of touches again on that that whole theatrical feel. And, um, I mean, all of their songs have it, but this one, I really liked the, the, the way it went, the way it played out. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, and written on her forehead was mystery. Babylon the Great, mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Then an angel cried, saying, Babylon has fallen and become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit. For all nations of the earth are just the wine of the rock of her fornication. And the kings of the earth are fornicated with her. And the merchants of the earth are wax rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Ha! Babylon the Great, mother, Babylon the Great. So your sister, Babylon the Great. She was Mary Magdalena, Babylon the Great. She's your whore daughter. The theatrics is what this band does the best. And as I said, all their songs have it. There's this, uh, we, we're going to use the word again, discipline, this discipline and this composition that is just unbeatable. Mm -hmm. This kind of tosses in a few other elements like, uh, I don't know, this science fiction, you know, space opera kind of, <laughs> I, the band is amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, I did some look back on them and, you know, they performed with face paint and, mm. and props and mm. they definitely were, you know, we, we, we talk about bands like that. Oingo Boingo was big on, on props and costuming and, um, you know, but these guys were doing it too. And it, it's, it's pretty cool. I need to look further into punishment of luxury because uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally into them. So that is the debut album by punishment of luxury called laughing Academy. Um, I, it, it, it might, I, I think it's battling for one of those, those bottom three spaces on my, on my list. Um, Ooh, yeah. Okay. I haven't lived with it enough to, to say that it's one of my favorite albums of 1979, mm -hmm. but it is an absolute album of note. Um, this is this is a significant album. Um, I'm not sure why it has been lost to the annals of time the way that it has. Um, yeah. But um, we'll we'll try and rectify that a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, not going to hit my top 10, unfortunately. It's again, I am really into this and I may regret that later. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I think it's just too hard for me to call it my top one, you know, 
one of my top 10 favorite albums of, of the year. So any rate, moving on to our next album. Um, this is a year for surprises or it's a month. December of 79 <laughs> is a month for surprises and unusual, unusual findings. Um, this next album is a band called Wayne County and the electric chairs. This is their album, Things Your Mother Never Told You. Now, formed by Jane County, then going by Wayne County, uh, Wayne County and the Electric Chairs consisted of Jane County on vocals, Van Cook on guitar, Val Holler on bass, and Chris Dust on drums. They originally began performing with a band called Queen Elizabeth. Now, Things Your Mother Never Told You is their third album. Mm-hmm. Um, none of their albums were actually released in the U S but I did discover that they had a single in 1978 with one of my favorite songs by the electric prunes. I had too much to dream last night. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. And it kind of endeared me to Wayne County and the electric chairs right away. <laughs> so, um, this is one of those bands, you know, like I said, their, their albums weren't released in the U.S. I, I found it difficult to dig up any information or a lot of information on the band and even less information uh, was available to me on the album. I can say that the lyrics are vulgar, the lyrics are bold, and the songs, I think, are still actually very good. <laughs> um, how do you feel? I, I, before I Before I ask you how you feel about it. I really became enamored with Wayne County and the electric chairs. I find them to be, uh, the sound is kind of unique to me. And again, we're touching on art student, you know, art, art rock. Um, there was just something about the vocals on, uh, of Jane County that I, I really connected with. And, uh, I, I totally got into the album. Um, but Joseph, how do you feel about this album? I like it. I like it a lot. It's quite a surprise. I mean, um, uh, early this season, you know, when I was, uh, when I was doing my research, trying to dig up some bands that, that maybe weren't on our radar. And I, I came across this and I went and checked out a song or two by them to see if it was appropriate. And I went, Ooh, I gotta put these uh, these guys on just for Rob. I mean, this is yes. this is for <laughs> this is for Rob. Rob Rob is going to love this. Oh. I mean, this is this is Rob's kind of freak show. Um, That's right. <laughs> it, I really like this album. Now you know me; I don't like to go and watch videos and see them perform mm-hmm. live or anything like that. I I try to keep in a vacuum as much as possible when I'm I'm exposing myself to the albums for the first time. Um, and this is a, it's, it's very, uh, theatrical. It's very cabaret. Yeah. Very cabaret. I I think that this is, this is produced exactly right for, for this band. I really appreciated that. So, you know, we've got some glam rock, uh, a lot of Rocky horror in here, Mm-hmm. Um, hearing some Velvet Underground, which yep. I forgive. 
some uh, some rockabilly. Um, I'm hearing some cramps and yep. the ba- the the band that came to mind a lot just because they were contemporaries was the Cuddly Toys, but. These guys do it so much better than the cuddly yeah. toys. The cuddly yeah, toys yeah. are trying to to pull it off the way that that these guys pull off this album. Um, I I really like this album. It is fundamentally not the kind of music that like I go gaga over, but. Man, is this a find? This is this is a a a small hidden treasure for sure. Yeah. Well, I I think that that's I think that that's wonderful. It was a great gift to me, and I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but as far as calling it my freak, my kind of freak show, you nailed it, man. This <laughs> I I started playing this, and of course. I couldn't control myself. I had to find videos. I had to watch <laughs> this band perform. And, uh, you know, I, I was stuck on, yeah. on this particular band because I didn't want to let go. It was, you know, it, this is one of the most unique kind of most, um, I, I don't know, permeating. I mean, it just kind of poured into me. So, I, I think that they're pretty fantastic and uh, going to have to going to have to put them put them, you know, in my memory banks as far as something I want to dip into more, whether it's whether it's looking at other cuts, lo- looking at articles and interviews, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, yeah. Um, so as, as I just want to point out, as you mentioned, this is their third album. So we. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not come up on our radar for last season. So their first two albums were released in 1978. Um, we might uh, we might get an opportunity to go back and take a, a look at those albums at some point in the near future. Hint, hint, he says obliquely. Um, but, but I think it's important important to note that this is their third third album we did not cover yeah. their first two because we we just they weren't on our radar so yeah, let's sure. uh let's listen to some music um not surprising me one single bit uh you <laughs> picked the song berlin yeah absolutely Yeah, I, I think Berlin's an amazing song. I'm going to tell you, though, it 
it kind of shifts gears through part of the song. And I really think the song is going to head one direction and it kind of goes someplace else, but it does not disappoint. Um, I like, I got to say that I really like uh, Jane County's vocal, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to call it here. There's just the, the vocals are great. I think um, that's the biggest appeal to me on the song. Although the lyrics are pretty wild too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it's the, the vocal style. I think there's like a, a grim and kind of taunting quality to it. That, that is, you know, when you said cabaret, you, you, mm. you were correct. It's definitely mm-hmm. a cabaret feel, but mm-hmm there's something kind of something kind of taunting or, or seductive and, 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 and insidious about the vibe of this song. It's, it's almost dangerous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but man, amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. Well, knowing that you were going to pick that song, I, I made sure that I, that my pick was something with uh, very different energy. So I picked something that's a little bit more like straightforward, like glam rock punk. Um, okay. <laughs> and that that is the the title track of Things Your Mother Never Told You. Until in your hands, a persecution Again, a great track. It's really jaunty in parts, and it's punk in parts, and it's dark in other parts, and it's, it's a very complex song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 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 again, it's very fun, very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So that was Wayne County and Electric Chairs' third album, "Things Your Your Mother Never Told You." Um, you know, let me see. I am toying with this one. This may actually go on my on my list, my top 10 for 79. That would make me so happy if it did. I mean, it's, it's not going to make mine because this is, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not primed to love, uh, this, this type of music, but, um, but boy, boy, do they do it good. Uh, they, 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 they absolutely captivating album. I, I, I really like this one. Let's move on to um, a big old blah of an album. Um, by, 
the fabulous poodles called Think Pink. Um, this is a British band. The uh, this is actually the third album. Um, we we missed their first two albums because I just wasn't familiar with this with this band. Um, oh, so their their the first two albums that they released were Fabulous Poodles in nineteen seventy seven and unsuitable in 1978 uh, this one again is called think pink uh this is my least favorite kind of approach to post-punk new wave um i didn't think that i was familiar with this band until i went and saw the cover uh-huh. of this album so this cover is like the ghost of a thousand used LP bins. I've seen this cover <laughs> so many times and never, yeah. never, you know, gave it a second thought. But I mean, uh, when I was living in Santa Cruz uh, right out of high school, I spent many, many, many hours because Santa Cruz had amazing used uh, record stores many hours flipping through um, the used bins and I can't tell you how many times I saw this album. So I'm very familiar with the cover of this album. Never picked it up. Glad that I didn't. Um, Not bad, but just absolutely the kind of music that, that, that rubs me the wrong way. So I'm, I, I'm hoping you like it a little bit better. What, what's your take yeah. on think well, pink by the fabulous poodles? Uh, you know, I gotta say that I, I, I don't find it to be one of my favorites. I don't, don't find it to be a great album, but, um, I don't, I also don't find it to be the worst on this playlist. And, uh, you know, I was into it a little bit. Um, Tony Demure, who's the lead vocals on it, I thought was kind of cool. There was something about the vocal quality that I really, uh, I really enjoyed. <laughs> well, that's, that's funny because in my notes, I just yeah. have the word vocals with a, a frowny face next to it. <laughs> well, I think that he's, I think that he's trying to do something there, you know, that, uh, maybe it's not your cup of tea, but I also enjoyed the fact that there were some strings in there. I guess they they had mandolin and and violins um, in the band, which I thought was kind of fun. So, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean this this falls squarely in the angry young men um, uh, subgenre. Sure. <laughs> you know uh, that that is what this whole season you and I kind of struggled with how how do, how do we categorize the 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 Nick Lowe's and the yeah. um you know Joe Jackson's and right. uh Graham Parker's and now we know that at the time it was re- referred to as the angry young men sound so so this falls squarely in there neither of us are huge fans of mm-hmm. of that right. that type um lot of rockabilly boogie woogie when i use the oh, yeah. boogie woogie I, that means I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is, is never a good sign. <laughs> that is Joseph for no thank you. <laughs> Boogie woogie. Yeah. I, I have to say that I think the first time years and years and years ago when I heard you use that, that phrase, I, I, 
at first was waiting for something good. Oh, no. um, <laughs> well, you know, and you know where it came from. Well, the mm. the video store that we worked at, the the owner, yeah. the you know, sweet kooky little old, old lady, old lady. Yeah. She she would come in. She go, oh, turn up that boogie woogie. <laughs> That's it. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. The memories are flooding back. <laughs> this album, it's like, from song to song, it's like, um, oh, here's them doing an Elvis, Pre not covering an Elvis Presley song, but doing their take on an Elvis Presley yeah. song. Oh, here's them doing their take on Buddy Holly. You know, it's just yeah. like, no, thank that's a big pass for me. Well, um, so. and, and I will say that it's not exactly what I'm listening, what I, what I want to hear when I'm listening to this type of playlist either. Um, you know, I think the, the, the name of the band, the fabulous poodles yeah. kind of th is a throwback <laughs> right. to like the 1950s, early 1960s right. kind of rock and roll sound. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, another reason why I never picked it up out of the bin was because yeah no i'm not gonna like a, a band called the fabulous poodles that's fabulous just, poodles I, I know enough about myself to know that's a big pass yeah <laughs> you know but but having said that um uh you and i zeroed in on the exact same song this is this oh, is cool. actually a pretty solid song i'm growing to as i listen to this uh playlist more and more i'm growing to like it a little bit more not enough for me to um feel compelled to you know go back and listen to the album again i've listened to it a couple of times but it's been a couple of weeks um but but it's a pretty good song so what are we what cut are we listening to well we picked uh we picked the cossack cowboy who's riding in the dark who wants complete control who shoots and hits the mark where the gamble takes its toll who's always striking camp from ranchos in the air don't miss a chance to vamp with so-called sapphire bear who makes his getaway I mentioned Tony Demure's vocals being pretty cool. They're not the best part of this this song. Uh, I got to hand it to the drummer, uh, Bryn Burroughs, and again, the violin player, Bobby, Bobby Valentino. Um, I like the drums in this song a lot. I like the energy in the song a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, I don't know. I think that this song is probably the best song on the album. Mm, I I wholeheartedly agree. And you yeah, know, I, yeah. I I think everything that they set out to do, they do well. They just make poor choices stylistically when it comes to pleasing Joseph, which I'm sure they're very they're very very concerned about. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> well, re regret, regretting that already. I'm sure they are. Uh, <laughs> you know, I heard I, I had read someplace that this band sold more albums in the U.S. in 1979 than The Clash. 
Wow, that, that doesn't sound that, right. Well, it okay. It blows my mind. Okay, I mean, I, I, I think it took the U.S. a long time to, to catch. You know, I, I, I don't. I think it was combat rock that really um, broke the clash here in the United States, and yeah. then you know the all of the great songs off of of um, London Calling were kind of discovered after the fact by by a broad U.S. audience. Um, obviously, the, the 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 punk the U.S. punkers were were aware of the clash and seeking it out but as far as you know the the public awareness and just the 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 u.s zeitgeist part of it i i think it was combat rock uh that really really did it for them so now that i think about it i my guess is that neither of those numbers were very big but, <laughs> right. but <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll buy that. Okay. <laughs> they sold so many more albums. One band sold four. The other one sold twelve. You know. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, for any of you listeners out there, if you want to put the fabulous poodles on your top ten list, that's okay with me. Uh, you, of course, you have my permission. Hey, man, I always say there's a reason we're covering them, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, not on my top 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, shall we move on? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, here's another band that I got really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I had a feeling you would know this. So we're talking about the Angelic Upstarts with their their album, Teenage Warning. This is their debut album, right? Yeah, this is their debut album. Yeah. Um, they're an English oi band formed in 1977 and considered to be one of the most politically charged and thought provoking bands of the era. Um, they were technically a skinhead band, uh, but their music called out racism and fascism and, uh, all the things that made the skinhead scene. So, uh, members were, members of the band were, Mency on vocals, Mond on guitar, Ronnie Wooden on bass, and get this, a guy called Styx on the drums. Mm. Uh, they, caught the, they caught the attention of Sham 69's Jimmy Percy, who liked them so much, he produced their first album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Teenage Warning was done on Warner Brothers Records, so they got a big label. Um, I love this album like crazy. Mm. And... Mm-hmm. And in the short time I've been listening to it, I've heard it maybe 15 times. I'm not even kidding. Mm, this mm-hmm. is ha- this is right here. This is how I like my punk rock. Besides, uh, besides any time a band puts out a song about the death of Little Towers, I have to hear it. Um, that probably was my first clue, just seeing that on the title uh, on the track list. But God, I love this band, and I love this album. This album peaked at number 29 on the UK album charts. The singles were Little Towers, I Am an Upstart, and Teenage Warning. So tell me. Tell me what you think. Well, this is the first album that we have examined by an 
uh, a band that could could be considered oi that sounds like what I expect to hear from an oi band. So yeah. this this really does sound, you know, um you mentioned Sham 69. Um I was not aware that there was that connection, but it doesn't surprise me at all. Um and you know, Sham 69, the albums that we've heard by them so far don't sound like what I expect to hear when you say oi. Um, mm-hmm. This really does. Now, I am l- looking forward to d- to the day that we can do a bonus episode with an expert on oi music um, that will help sort of reconcile um, this this thing that I struggle with with oi music as far as so so far everything that we've heard that has been you know, from a a band that has been considered like one of the the founders of Oi Music, um, they have been like ferociously anti-fascist, and I just can't imagine how you get from these beginnings to like the skinhead neo-Nazi scene. I've got a lot of learning to do, and. <laughs> <laughs> in that area yeah. so it's going to be really interesting once once we find the right person to uh to educate us on well on how that scene evolves yeah. i've had conversations over the years on this very subject with richard temple mm-hmm. and uh he knows he knows a lot about the scene but it's uh it's very fascinating and very interesting and he might be the guy to talk to mm-hmm mm-hmm well, uh, it's it's always always fun to have him on. So um, uh, we'll we'll have to consider that. Yeah. So so getting back to this album, um, I find this very satisfying. This is a yeah. this this gives me exactly what I want to hear from like a good oi album, right? Um, I. I like it a lot. I, I don't think I'm ever going to be a, a huge Oi fanatic, um, but this is this is good f- punk. This is good socially conscious punk. I like it a lot. I like the stuff the most that is kind of the 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 poppiest and the catchiest. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, my, my pick is one of those, you know, sing along, chant along, chorus type of, of oi punk pop. Um, nothing wrong with that. No, no, that, that's (laughs) what I like. I like the most. So your pick, uh, you, you mentioned already is, um, Mm -hmm. uh, little tower, um, and we will hear that in a couple of minutes. One of my least favorite songs off of the album, uh, but but it was their first single, and really what got probably got them the 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 record deal to produce because it it was released as a single and um, uh, got on the charts in the UK before. The album was was released. Not 
particularly catchy, I don't think. Um, so my pick is um, I'm an Upstart, which is there are quite a few songs that 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 adhere to this formula, um, and I like them all. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but but that th- those are my favorite moments on on the album. It's sort of the predictable catchy sing along with the chorus type song so so let's go ahead and listen to uh, I'm an upstart Yeah, I'm an upstart. Definitely has that that uh, thing. You know, it's got that thing that you're going to end up singing along and stomping along, and uh, and it's definitely got that pop pop punk punk pop appeal to it. Um, I think I think the song that well, your least favorite song and my my favorite song um, is more of a politically charged, more of a you know that kind of thing. Um, this song, I'm an upstart is a great song and there's a reason why it was a single and it, I think it was a good choice. So it's, it's definitely catchy. Definitely amazing. Well, let me, let me ask you this. If the, Uh if, if little towers, if they changed the lyrics to something completely different, would you still like the song? I just, I just don't think mm. the song itself is particularly appealing. I'm not no. turned, I'm not turned off by the lyrics. I think the lyrics are yeah. fine. I, I, I just, I'm a little, uh, a little perplexed about why this is the song that put them on the map because I don't think it's very compelling. If if you're if you're not listening to the lyrics, yes, yeah. yeah. Well, that I think really does have to do with the political climate, mm-hmm. um, because Little Towers was big news. This is a man who died at the hands of police brutality, yeah, yeah. and and you know, Angelic Upstarts weren't the only ones singing about him. Uh, so, so I think it was just that that made that song. Well, and this so, is so important. This is not the first time that we're hearing a song about no. this incident. No, no. We um, there was a Tom Robbins song, um, right? That um, do you remember the name of that song? It was it, it was off their second album. I think the word um, blue is in the title. It was <laughs> yeah, boy. Word the word blue was in the title. I cannot remember it. Uh, and if I actually think it was probably my pick. Well, um, it, it was definitely your pick. I remember that, and yeah. that was the that was the first time that I was aware of this incident. Can you kind of remind uh, us about what happened? Well, yeah, it basically was a guy who um, he was a uh, he was outside a club. And, you know, he probably said the wrong thing to a cop uh, after being in a club and he got beat up and thrown in a van and taken to jail, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I'm probably screwing up some of the deta- some of the details. Uh, I mean, this incident was big news, but it didn't even happen in my country, so I'm, I'm probably getting some of it wrong. Um, at any rate, you know, he saw some doctors while he was while he was incarcerated, and they're like, "What the hell happened to you?" And he's like, "They beat me. They beat the crap out of me in my own cell." Well, you know what? He ended up dead, mm-hmm. and he didn't. The 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 word is he didn't raise a hand to anybody. He just ended up dead, and it it really comes down to the police saying, yeah, it was, I think they called it justifiable homicide, mm. which means they really, you know, needed to kill him. I mean, it was, he was a big guy. He was, I don't know. They call it, I, don't know, I guess it could be self-defense, but at any rate, it was a big deal and people were up in arms about it and everybody was angry because he just didn't need to die. Yeah, and just to be clear, because I didn't catch on to this for a long time, maybe I'm just a little dense. Uh, little Towers is the name of the guy. That was his. That's name. his. That's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay, well let's let's go ahead and and listen to Little Towers. Police killer This is one of those songs, like I said, anything by Little Towers, I'm going to gravitate towards it. And I really think that I'm going to go back to your question. If the lyrics were different, would I still like this song? The answer is probably not. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why I like this song so much and why I was drawn to this song has to do with the subject matter itself. Um, you, you, we talked about the uh, Tom Robinson band doing their song was, by the way, called Blue Murder. Um, but also there was... Uh, Justifiable Homicide by the Sex Pistols producer Dave Goodman, um, Murder of Little Towers, of course. Um, the Jam did Time for Truth, and uh, it's there just a lot of bands. Like I said, there's a lot of people that that knew about the subject that were up in arms at the time, and it was it was a really big event. That is the Angelic Upstarts and uh, Teenage Warning, and man what an album Mm. i love this album (laughs) so can i inject one little technical note here um please so we are we are talking about this here because we don't have an exact release date but we think i i found a place that cited that it was released in august of 1979 so it was probably released then um so if anyone cares yeah (laughs) Late breaking news. Um, it might have been released in August. But what a killer album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a killer album. Teenage Warning. Um, I 
I struggle with this because I want this to be on my top 10 so badly. Uh, it's just not going to happen, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me, tell me about your thoughts. Well, it's it's not going to uh, make my list either. But um, yeah. I will tell you this. Um, I will. This is so far. Um, and I think I only have three or four albums in my, my repertoire, but so far, this is my favorite Oi album. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like this. I really like the, the, um, title track, um, you know, all of the, there, there's a lot of songs that sound like that they could be like sung in crowds during soccer matches, football matches. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Those are the, the kind of anthem type songs um, that I think are really successful off of this album. Yeah. Nice. Okay. One more album to go. Um, yeah, this is it. Um this is, as far as we know, the last album um, that we will discuss. It was released in 1979. Um, going out on a bit of a whimper here. Uh, <laughs> the debut album from a um, a band called The Sinceros, called The Sound of Sunbathing. And... This is not an album I can get very excited about at all. Um, Sure, there's some new wave elements. We're going to listen to two songs off of this album. Um, One of the songs is by far the new waviest and uh, occasionally appears on new wave compilations. Uh, But most of it is much more in the, like, the Hall and Oates, Eddie Money, yeah. ELO, yeah. Huey Lewis in the News, Joe Jackson sort of lane, mm-hmm. which is um, sort of a big, okay, that's nice <laughs> for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. same here. <laughs> One thing of note, uh, probably the most interesting thing about this band is that the rhythm section the uh, drummer and bass player appeared on Lin, uh, Lovich's uh debut album, which is a personal favorite of mine. Uh-huh. That's the most exciting thing I found about out about this band, um, or at least this album. This is not their only album. They they I think they have one more. So we will get to it when we get to it. This is a band that was another band that was. Um, recommended to us from a listener so we thank you for that um my sense is you're kind of in the same place yeah well uh this band for me was just too power pop sounding (laughs) um you know i gotta say i now i've listened to a lot of power pop and i've got some friends that are fans and and people who play power pop music like in bands that are considered power pop but to me power pop is your boogie woogie it's Mm, mm, mm. it's not a good thing when i hear power pop i kind of go oh um (laughs) you know i kind of power down all of a sudden and um 
you know, I could see this album being popular in 1979, but it, for me, it's just not my taste. And it's, it's, it certainly doesn't pop up when I think new wave, you know, <laughs> like you said, there's some new wave elements to it, Yeah, but, but it's, yeah, not, not, not so much. Well, I, I will say this. I think the songwriting as far as like pop songs is uh-huh. really pretty good. It's just the the sensibilities, the execution of it, um, mm-hmm. far too cheesy for me. Uh, they, they it feels like they are thinking way more like um, Hall and Oates than they no, are. I was I was even I was even gonna say you know uh, the Pina Colada song. Yeah, I mean, there's some of those, you know yeah. it's yeah. it's to me it's on that level yeah. of. Uh, you know, listening. So. Yeah, yeah. Because Hall and Oates can even get more more new wavy than than I think this guy can. Yeah. But <laughs> originally, I was thinking, ah, well, one song is enough off of here, and then I saw that you picked the by far the new waviest song, the song that occasionally appears yeah. on compilations called "Take Me to You Leader." So I thought, well, I need to pick a, a song that's kind of more represent of the rest of the album um so we'll start out with that song a song called quick quick slow actually i think this is an insanely catchy song it has been Mm -hmm. stuck in my head for many days um so that's that's sort of a um a, a a testament to how catchy it is um but there's not a lot to talk about this album you know when you're interested in talking about new wave and post-punk um it's just a it's it's just a different it's it's a different critter so let's go ahead and listen to quick quick slow i kick myself away I'll, I'll say it once again. My, my tastes just don't match up, um, <laughs> you know, and, and you're right about it being catchy. Uh, but I f- find that to be a little more annoying than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if there's a song I want stuck in my head, it's it's something off of Boingo's last album um, or, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I would rather something I enjoy, maybe a David Bowie tune. Okay, uh, one more song to go. Uh, that is the aforementioned Take Me to Your Leader. Take away the veil, expose the blush of naked
This one I like better because it it definitely feels new wave. And uh, I wonder, though, if they cut this song because people were going, no, you need a new wave song on this album. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I mean, this is the song, right, that went on uh, new wave compilations. You'll hear it Mm -hmm. playing on a movie or something. But, yeah, I think they might have. This might be the obligatory uh, new wave tune. I like this song until it gets to the chorus and I, I, I find the chorus inane, um, very off putting, but, but it is, it is without a doubt, the new waviest of it. Synthesizers. (laughs) (laughs) They do wonders. All right. That's it. That is December of 1979, and that is wow. 1979. So let's That's... just review what we've learned um, these uh. last couple of episodes. So we have l- listened to albums um, by Jimmy and the Boys, their debut album, uh, Mental as Anything, uh, their debut album as well. The Clash's third album, London Calling. Essential Logic's first album entitled uh, Beat Rhythm News. The Pretenders' debut album, simply titled The Pretenders. Throbbing Gristles with 20 jazz funk greats. (laughs) Punishment of Luxury with their debut album, Laughing Academy. Wayne County and the Electric Chairs. Things Your Mother Never Told You. Yeah, it's Rob's kind of freak show. Mm -hmm. The (laughs) Fabulous Poodles with a third album entitled Think Pink. Angelic Upstarts, their debut album called Teenage Warning. And the Sinceros, their debut album called The Sound of Sunbathing. Which is about as exciting as the sight of grass growing. <laughs> Incidentally, just a, a, a not very good album title and an god awful album cover. <laughs> just one of the worst <laughs> album covers yeah. I've seen <laughs> for <good>. 1979. <laughs> Okay, Rob, of the aforementioned albums, um, Mm -hmm. what gets the Rob uh, Blue Ribbon best of show? I think I'm going to have to go with, uh, yeah, Wayne County and the Electric Chairs. It's it's the biggest surprise. It was um, just something I, so unique and something I just wasn't expecting. And, uh, I think I'm going to enjoy this this band and this album a lot more in the future. How about you? I applaud your um, forward thinking and your unpredictability. But uh, in all honesty, for me, it's got to be London Calling by The Clash. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would like to say that The Clash, London Calling is a far better album. Mm-hmm. As far as what I enjoyed the most... It's an album that I I wasn't familiar with, 
The Clash is London Calling is a classic, and I will love that album forever and ever. And it is by far the best album, I think, on this on this list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I am very familiar with that one. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, 1979, we bid you it's... adieu. <laughs> Man, oh man! Holy, you know what that means. I mean, 1980 is big news, man. Yeah, yeah. But before that, we gotta we gotta nail down our best of list. Certainly. I hope all of our listeners are are starting to get in gear um, in that as well. Now we will be releasing an episode to kind of help you along. So we are going to how many albums? 1979 is it like 140 or something 120 140 something like that we're gonna we're gonna remind you about all of them um in an upcoming episode and kind of focus on the 20 or 30 likeliest candidates um so if you're if you're feeling lost and despairing hopefully that'll help you out a little bit but before that, we still have our police deep dive. So that's the next episode. It's going to come out in two weeks. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to. Well, I think it's time for us to wrap things up. Um, what a wild ride, Rob. Man, oh, man. To go out, uh, just a, another another um, little thank you to Sweden. Um, we are going to go out uh, as a way of thanking you. I, I don't know how much of a an actual thank you gift this is, but uh, we're going to go out on the song called Sweden All Quiet on the Eastern Front by um, The Stranglers uh, and just, just welcoming all all of you Swedes aboard. We we appreciate you joining the team. Okay, everybody, we will talk to you in two weeks. See ya. Let me tell you about Sweden. Only country where the clouds are interesting. Big brother says it's the place to go. Stand front. What do I say?